0: What's going on Kidney Fighters, this is Mark Coronel. Just a quick background. I was diagnosed on my 26th birthday on a routine physical with the rare kidney disease called FSGS, focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. I went from monthly to weekly doctor visits, spending almost two years on dialysis. I needed to share my story and use social media as an outlet that led to 33 people coming forward to donating a kidney five transplant evaluation centers later, from the west coast of Los Angeles to the east coast of New York. Receiving more no's than yes, I finally received a kidney transplant December 10th, 2019. Learning kidney disease firsthand, I learned advice that only a dying man learns. And to pay it forward, I'll be interviewing patients, caregivers, and healthcare professionals so you can develop the tools to becoming your best advocate. These interviews will pack a punch of hope, grit, and inspiration. For more information, log on to markcoronel.com. Andy Lamont, a personal trainer in Sydney, Australia with over 20 years experience in the industry. A former NSW state and Australian bodybuilding champion, In 2012, Andy suffered a severe cervical spine injury, which led him to stop competitive bodybuilding and led to the use of Nurofen to ease the pain. This use of Nurofen led subsequently to the kidney failure, although feeling very tired and not quite right, continued to work until he ended up in the ICU, with extreme high potassium and creatinine levels that finally placed him on dialysis. He has now been on dialysis for two and a half years and continues his personal training business around his treatment sessions. Andy... Welcome to the show.
1: It's good to be here, Mark. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on board. I, I, I really appreciate it. I, I follow you on Instagram. I, I, I'm i a big fan of training because uh, I'm in the same industry, right? Um, but I wanted to get into more of the beginning journey. I mean, we, we, we talked about you in the introduction, how uh, you've been in the industry for, for such a very long time and wanted to know your journey as a trainer before actually going into
1: uh, uh, renal failure. Okay. So I, I um, started personal training when I was 18, mm-hmm. part time. Um, I did it part time because I didn't really see it as a real job; it was kind of a fun, fun thing I did. Right. I uh, continued to do that until I started to work full time as a trainer in 2010, and do so until this day. Obviously, my hours these days are somewhat limited with uh, the dialysis. Right. But it's really something. I, I love my job, and it's it's something that you know I'm very happy that I can um, work around my dialysis sessions, especially.
0: Right. So right. So. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, you know, reading your bio, and you say that you were um, an NSW state and Australia bodybuilding champion. What was the complexity? Because I know the discipline is also like a fighter. You got to eat right. You got to work out right. You got to work out several times a day. What was your regiment like to actually becoming Australia's uh, champion?
1: Um, so yeah I was, uh, it's, it's a lot to do with eating and sleeping so I was eating around eight to nine thousand calories a day oh wow um, I was training about I was only training for about an hour hour five times a week okay but it's just, eatings probably you know a, a big big part of it mm-hmm. um, I was lucky and I had a, a group of guys that we all worked together um, on the on doing security at night uh, and we all trained together so we had a good bunch of guys that we trained together for quite a few years wow that we all um, all different um, experience levels, so it was very motivating. We, you know, we we're all friends and we all, did, you know, socialized together, trained together. Right. So it was a really good, you know, good experience at that time.
0: That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um so, and you've been bodybuilding for how long now?
1: Uh, well, competitive bodybuilding I did from when I was about 19 till I was uh, mid 20s. Wow. And then I now now I just train just you know for the enjoyment of it. Um, just because of the nerve damage and stuff, I've lost probably thirty kilos, which is what about eighty pounds wow. of muscle from, wow. from, uh, from back then. So, right with the, with the nerve, injury. right. Uh, but the kidney failure doesn't help either. So, right, uh, right,
0: right. So, you know, going through your story, you ended up with a severe cervical spine injury. Now, was this due to weight training or uh, bodybuilding? Uh, what, what was this, what was the reason for that?
1: They couldn't narrow it down to one thing. It was a combination of, um, you know, uh, heavy squats and deadlifts. Um, and then also, because I was doing security at night, um, getting hit with, you know, various bats and bars and stuff over the years and that type of thing, I it caused a bit of damage as well. So it was just a comment. it was no one thing. It was just a co- combination of things that caused um, bone to grow over my uh, cervical nerve roots, um, which then compressed the nerve and, and led to, you know, severe nerve loss. Um, so it was no, no wow. one thing that did it. It was just a combination of, so I guess.
0: And and were you able to see signs and symptoms of that? Did you ignore it? What was that
1: like? No, it was, a sudden, it was a sudden onset. So one day I went to the gym and went to lift the weight that I normally lift up warm up on, and my, my left side of my body couldn't lift it. Wow. Um, and so my right side could. My right side kind of deteriorated a little bit later. Um, but it was just it was just a really strange feeling going in, and and one day being able to lift the weight. The next day coming in and, and having virtually no strength uh on one side of my body had a very severe pin look in hindsight I guess in, in I had pins and needles and um some some tightness through through my scapula and stuff like that which was a, a sign of it uh, I didn't really know that at the time so
0: so so then you're so you found out you found this out you went and you ended up in the ER right um uh,
1: from, that was from the, the ER with it with a cervical spine injury I saw a specialist um, who delayed my surgery for about a year and a half, which didn't help. Uh, And then I had surgery, which unfortunately he he botched it and made it worse. So then I had, uh, so he had made it worse. And then I just, another two more surgeries after that with a different surgeon um, who got me an improvement, but the damage was already done, unfortunately. So um, if I'd seen a different doctor initially, I perhaps would have had a better result, but uh, that was just the way things things went. I probably saw the wrong doctor um initially so
0: oh wow so i mean the, and and it and it even rolls down to even the kidney kidney. Uh, sector as well right so i mean i've gone through 15 different nephrologists five different transplant centers and i was also able to see that uh, this doctor you start to get more and more in inspir- experience when it comes to evaluating the doctors the uh, especially the ones that take care of your specific struggle um and 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 having them on your team and trusting them with their efforts of what they've learned through the years of medical hoping that we can get better
1: right and yeah, definitely. Look, I, I remember I, I, I saw my doctors, Dr. Bruce Cooper, and I was very lucky. I saw him straight away for my um, when I was in the emergency. He was the first doctor who saw me. Um, he was fantastic. He had a really good bedside manner. Usually I'm um, I'm very hostile towards doctors. I don't really like doctors uh, because of my experience with my spinal surgeon. You know, I was I was pretty negative about doctors in general. And Dr. Bruce Cooper was, was just a guy you just can't help but love. He's just so gentle. And he, 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 any other doctor would tell me to do something, I'd just ignore them. You know, this guy would tell me to do something I couldn't help. I OK, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, it's just great. And everyone who works with him says the same thing. He's just a, he's a very, very likable guy. He's a very gentle man. And he and just explains things really well. So I've been very fortunate as far as my kidney journey goes that I yeah, had a good doctor to start with. Um here, here it's, it's in the public system, so it's all government paid for. Right, right, Nothing, right. It's a little bit different than, than over there. Um, right, right. So um, a, lot of, a lot of the time when you're in the public system here, of course, you get who you get. It's hard to change doctors in the public system. So I was very lucky to get him. Um, and he's head of the department at the hospital I go to. So he's very experienced and um, he's, he's been fantastic. Very, very easy to deal with.
0: Right. So you you said like, uh, you know, it's it's different than, than how it is out there. When you say different from out here, is it because you guys get free health care? Is it because, why did you say it was different?
1: Oh, just the, the free aspect of it. I mean, I, not, none of my treatment cost me anything. Oh, wow. You know, we subsidized medications. Medications are... The, the Renagel, which is the several level hydrochloride, I take for the um, as one of my medications. That's 100% paid for. I get that from the dialysis centre. And that's to buy that here. There's about $80 um, a, a packet, so I go through a fair bit of that because my my level my protein levels are very high. So I I, I do have a lot of those tablets. Uh, and the other medications subsidised dialysis costs nothing. Um If you go on holidays, you can transfer to another centre. It's it's quite easy. Um, it's, it's a very good system we have here and very lucky, you know, not having to, to try and find money. When, the last thing you want to do is when you're sick, trying to find money and, uh, you know, and you're not working as much and things like that. So, and the transplant's is 100% covered. You go onto the, uh, like, a, if you can't find a live donor, you go onto the Red Cross um, donor list, which is just an anonymous donor list, which is what I'm on. So I probably have another year or so to wait. Until I get a, a kidney from that, but I mean, that's all covered and, and run by the government. So
0: it's really interesting you say that. Um, so you said you're on a list and you're, you're waiting for about a year. What blood type are you, by the way?
1: Well, I, I can't remember, to be honest. I, I said I was fairly common. I can't remember exactly what blood type I was. But I've, been, I've, been on the, I've been on the list for two and a half years. Uh huh. Okay. So it's three and a half to four year wait. Right, so is that is that I mean, normally
0: down the board that everyone who needs to receive a kidney transplant usually waits about two to four years, the most?
1: No, no, that's what I'm lucky because I'm I'm relatively um, easy to match. So people who have have more, uh, you know, factors that limit that, that are matching, then you know, they, they wait a lot longer, or, or possibly may not even get one. So, um, yeah, so I'm lucky in the respect that I don't have. Now I don't know yeah, if you know, but yeah. I don't
0: know if you know, but me, I'm an O positive. If I didn't get a donor, I would have waited ten years to actually get yes. a kidney transplant.
1: Yes, sir. Probably similar here. My blood type, I said, it was fairly compatible. I can't remember what it was exactly, but right. Um, but it was fairly compatible, um, right? When I didn't. Ha- I haven't had you know. I've only had a few blood transfusions and things, so it haven't. Hasn't caused too many you know immune factors to to come
0: up right right so um now let's get into the the, the being diagnosed with kidney disease right um yeah. uh, i was reading your bio you said uh neurofin was one of the causes or you don't know i mean it could be protein shakes you could it, there, there's just so many factors with kidney disease right um but <laughs> was, your experience is different
1: the neurofin was the immediate cause oh wow but i mean when I, when I was doing bodybuilding i was 150 kilos which is like 330 pounds or something so I mean, all that heavy body weight. I'm, I'm not naturally that heavy, so all those things, you know, it was, my basically body was too big for my for my kidneys to cope with. So my kidneys had growing, uh, I think twenty five or thirty percent above what they normally would have been. So my kidneys were very enlarged from from dealing with the the extra stress of the of the body weight. Um, and then obviously I had a bit of underlying uh, F- F- FSGS like like yourself. And then but the neurofen definitely was the immediate cause. I, I didn't realize they were so kidney toxic. And, I was, uh, and it was the only thing that really worked to, to limit my, my nerve, nerve pain at the time. So I was taking a lot of those without realizing that they were so kidney toxic because they're, they're freely available over here, over the counter. So I never sort of thought stopped to think that they might be doing me harm.
0: Right, right, right. So what exactly is Nurofen, for those who don't know? Um, what does it do to the body? And how did you start to notice that?
1: Oh, it's, a, it's just a painkiller. I mean, it's just, um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, it was very effective for nerve pain, very, very effective for nerve pain compared to, you know, your Panadols and, and things like that. Um, but it was just it was very kidney toxic. And um, basically, I was taking those and I was slowly, look, in hindsight, I, I was very, very water-attentive. At the time, I think I was probably holding about 15 kilos of fluid. Very, very tired. Um, I just put it down to being a bit unfit and I was getting short of breath. Uh, and then one day I remember going to work and getting like chills, really, really bad chills. And to the point where I was like shivering and it wasn't, it wasn't a cold day. And then that was kind of the, the, the end of it. And that a very short time after that, I ended up um, just being bedridden. And, um, and because of all the high toxin levels became, uh, you know, started to hallucinate and started to see things, and became very, very unwell. And my my partner luckily took me to the, forced me to go to the uh, hospital. And then they basically said I was, you know, maybe an hours or, or days from from death from potassium or, uh, you know, other poisoning from from a kidney failure. So uh, I was placed on dialysis straight away, and I remember dropping, dropping that 15 kilos of fluid very, very quickly and feeling a whole lot better, you know, straight away. But it was a bit of a shock because so I wasn't really expecting, thinking I was a bit, you know, I thought was a bit bulletproof and stuff. And although right. I, I was on well, right oh you, you man don't think, you, don't, you don't think you're about to die you know what i mean so yeah
0: yeah especially especially when they say fsgs because when i was diagnosed i didn't know what that meant and it was just a long word they said vocal focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, sclerosis and i thought that was a death sentence right it was just all a matter of time before i were to die but uh you know i was able to also get put on emergency dialysis now did you start off with a catheter or they put a fistula in you
1: I had a neck, one in my neck to start with. The emergency one in my neck, uh, and that was initial. And then I had a, um, had a chest catheter put in. Uh, for, and I, I resisted the um, fistula because I was told by by a lot of the doctors that I wouldn't be able to drain with it, and um, and I really resisted for about a year and a half. My my chest catheter had to be stripped once. Because it kept blocking all the time. Um. And so then my, my, my doctor, Dr. Cooper, basically, you know, one day pulled me aside and sort of said, Look, I've got quite a few guys that train. He, he trains, I got one of the guys is an ex Olympic lifter. And he goes, Look, they're back, they're back training, you know, way before they should have been, and they're being fine. He goes, As long as you're sensible, it'll be okay. And I went, Okay. So I, so I had the, the fistula done. And look, I've been training with it. I've had no issues um, with it since I trained relatively heavy. Still, and it's been no issues at all. So I've been fortunate in that respect. But still, to this day, the nurses freak out that I still train. And um, but it's just that you know, one doctor will say, "Oh, you know, it will be a doomsday, and you know, you, you're going you're to damage it and all the stuff." And so my doctor was like, "You know, you know what? It's just just be sensible, and you'll be fine." And it's been fine. It's been you know a couple of years now. I've been training you know a year I've had the the um, the fistula, and it's been no issue at all. And I'm glad because I, I would have struggled to cope. I mean that training was my kind of stress relief. I would have really struggled if I had been unable to to keep training. People people so. people
0: ask me that too. They say, um, why don't you go see a therapist? I said, You don't know the value of weight training, training the body, because it also trains the mind. Um, don't get me wrong, therapists are great, but that was my my lover. My my friend, my therapist, my mom and dad sometimes. It was my journey in life to just get through, to be as sane that I am, to be level-headed. This was my outlet to things. And I think a lot of people um, might not have that. And if they do, great. But when you're put on dialysis, three hours are taking away from your time. You need a mental outlet to get out of your day-to-day situation. And for me, it was it was kidney disease, right? My, my outlet was working out from kidney disease. And um, how has that helped you? And we talked about mental health and it's a very, very big topic here. And I don't know how it is in Australia, but we tend to focus a lot now more on mental health. What would be your advice in that aspect? Because you found training to having someone else find something good for them.
1: Look, for me, it was all about creating a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I got dialysis. My dialysis sessions are six hours long, so they're, they're quite long. Um, it's three days a week for six hours, um, so it's, it's a big chunk of the day. Um, oh wow! For me, the training—I guess the training over the years has taught me to be very disciplined. Uh-huh, right. Uh huh. Right. With my diet and training, I used to never miss a training session. I never, I never missed a meal. Wow! You know, all the years I was competing, no matter no matter you know if I was sick or anything, I still I still ate and still did everything right. So now now having had. Kidney disease, obviously, that's somewhat similar in that it makes things harder. But I've just got a, a good routine where, you know, I eat, I eat very similar every day. Um, it's made it easier to cope with the restrictions of the um, of the diet. So not being able to have certain foods, because obviously when I was competing, there was a lot, a lot of time when I couldn't eat certain foods. So it's made that, I think, a lot easier. And, and, and also just the knowledge of nutrition, just from training. Um, Amazing. made a lot easier easier to understand i see a lot of people struggle with understanding what foods they can have and why they can't have it and stuff like that so for me it was it was fairly simple to understand all right? this is what i need to eat and it's, it's just how it is from now on and, and, and i've been you know very good in that respect and i think the training has definitely helped that because it's keeping you i find when my training's going all right then i tend to eat all right and all kind of connects together so the thing for me you know i've got training i also look after um uh, rescued animals is, is something else I do on the side and, and for me that's my passions you know and it gives me a distraction from dwelling on the negative which which I think is the most important thing so whether someone you know does training or they they have a hobby or whatever it is I think it's important because it just gives you a break from from otherwise it's so easy to dwell on the negative you know it's, it's a big chunk of your day and, and, it, and it takes up a, you know, a huge chunk of your life and Unfortunately, in dialysis, you know, I see people—you know—who are there one day and then they're gone, and then I find out they passed away. You know what I mean? So, right, right, right—it's it's really easy to, to get into a kind of depressed state of mind when you when you see people passing away from from these illnesses or, or having bad experiences. So, for right. me, that's a, that's a distraction. Um, something else to concentrate on, something else to live for. Particularly with my, you know, the animals and stuff that I look after—they rely on me. So, I, you know, I know if I'm not here. Right. No one's going to after him, you know what I mean? So right, right, for right. Me, that's a, a big motivator to, to, to stay on track. Right. And it just helps me stay sane and find a bit of an outlet for any, any frustrations I have. And-
0: right, 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 right. So that, that that's so interesting. So um, obviously – you have explained the full spectrum of dialysis. And I think it doesn't matter if you're in California, Australia, you're, it doesn't matter where you're at. I think we all go through the same struggle. What is your favorite failure? Something that made you learn a lot from something which now is a success?
1: That's a tough question. Uh...
0: So so, so let's, just go, let's just break down the first one. Um, from, from what you've learned, Let's say for me, it was dealing with the doctors and constantly asking questions. So now I know. But in the beginning, it was a failure.
1: What about for you? So, yeah, look, I guess in that respect, you know, I I found dialysis really, really hard to cope with in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. For me, you know, and I guess like a lot of people, you you start to think about, is it worth it? And, you know, do I want this quality of life? And um, But then I guess, you know, you start to see reasons to live and, and you start to get used to the. The, the dialysis itself um you find things to do in the in the in the sessions cuz 6 hours of, of of sitting in a chair is is a long time so i guess you learn just to make constructive use of the time so i you know i sit there and i make phone calls for work and i i write programs and i do research and things like that so that it's not a, it's not a dead i make sure that, that that time's not a dead time and i guess when i first started it was. It yes. Was a, a dead. Thing. I kind of right, right. Felt sorry for myself and um and, and saw a very negative view of it. But I guess now I, I I guess I've turned that around in respect to. I see it as you know I'm, I'm lucky. You know I, how many people I could have easily have passed away from you know from when that time when I was at an emergency.
0: Right, right. I mean it's 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 really a a tough tough thing to to actually go through.
1: Right. Um. And. Uh, I'm very grateful that you know I'm I'm still here and um, you know I've got, sec- I got a second chance and, and you know things to look forward to I guess in the future, so I just try to turn it into more of a positive outlook, right. outlook I guess, right? Um, rather than, than you know looking at it as a negative,
0: right? And that's amazing and and you know it it, it usually takes a while for people to cope with um, struggle like that, especially being on dialysis. I remember it took me six months to actually really hone in on myself three to six months where I'm like, all right. And that, that would be times where I'd be holding mitts for, for, for some patient, for some clients, right? Cause they wanted a box and, and my thing was holding mitts for patients. I mean, for clients, right? And, um, it would be very tiring and draining. And a lot of people, when they see me, They said, wow, I mean, I don't know if you get this, but I definitely did as a trainer was I can't complain to a person who's really fighting for their life. So it doesn't become a therapy session anymore. Like my previous uh, sessions, It, it started to become more like, how's your health? Let's just get this done because you're my motivator. Because you're going yep. through something else and you're not even complaining about it. It does become your day to day routine and people don't even wanna wanna share theirs. They just wanna be around you for the motivational and inspirational factor.
1: Oh definitely people you know, people comment that, you know, that they're, they're impressed by, you know, the fact you decide just, to just keep going. Right, right. You, you know, it does I you get that a lot from you know, clients who I train and like you know, you get the comment all the time, like, you know, you're really strong, you don't complain, you just do what you've got to do and it's right. like, well I don't really have a choice you know
0: exactly exactly and they don't know that they don't see that part
1: but I mean, like I said I've had plenty of friends pass away over the years and, you know like from, from other various illnesses and 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 so on and, and mental illness and stuff so the way I look at it is you know I've got this chance you know the, these guys these guys that I that I knew in the past didn't and so that's how I look at it you know, I choose to look at it as well these guys you know didn't have the luck that I had Right. they didn't get to have a second chance and you know maybe change their lifestyle or right or have a chance to get them. so this is this is my chance you know what I mean and and a lot of people go into the as you know a lot of people go into the care of a dialysis patient from the nurse all the nurses to you know my family my partner you know everyone you know goes out of their way to to, to make way for you know what I need and and I've got to be grateful for that and I've got to put the effort in to show that I'm grateful for that because all these people making an effort, you know, then for me to not make the effort when they've made the effort. Right. Right. No, right. Not, you know I mean? They've made a, you know, a big effort and sacrifice to help me. Uh, and the nurses are all great at, you know, at dialysis and, 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 you know, other, other patients. And so I think i kind of owe it to everyone just to, to give it my best shot, you know, rather than have all this, all this effort that people have made and to go to waste and, and give up. So, No, no, it's not the option for me to to give up.
0: Did you find it interesting? Maybe because this was my journey, I did lose some friends because uh, you know uh, the checkup wasn't as much. They didn't come to dialysis to visit me. And I got to see the value of relationships through family, through through my significant other. She was always there. Um, did you end up losing people through the process of the two-and-a-half-year journey that you've been going through, where you thought people would step forward, either trying to donate a kidney or, or just be more supportive of your journey?
1: Absolutely. Look, I was, I was, nobody came forward to donate a kidney to me, so... That was, you know, pretty heartbreaking at the time. But you know, right. I understand everyone's got their own situations. But, but definitely, I mean, you, you kind of think that you know someone will come forward, and and you know, no one did. And that was that was for me pretty pretty uh, devastating. Um, right. Right. And, and you're right. Like definitely, I've lost contact with with some people who I thought were friends who kind of dropped off. Maybe, maybe, you know, for whatever reason. I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm grateful for that in a way because obviously they're not. You know, if they kinda of stick by you through through your struggles then then they're not really, you know, good friends anyway. So Right, right. Uh, it, I think some people don't know how to sort of cope with it maybe. They don't know what to say, they don't know, you know, they're they're a bit awkward around it. Right. Uh you know, I find it work if I if I, I don't tell everyone at work, but you know, people I tell sometimes but most of the time they react pretty well. But sometimes you see people they get awkward and uncomfortable, they don't know what to say. Right, right, or, right, you know, right. Or or they kinda of come up with oh, or oh, when do you recover from that? And those sort of awkward questions and right. things like that. Um, right. Just, yeah, they, don't, they don't know what to say. I guess. I guess it's awkward. Right. When someone's they're not going to recover, and this is you know how it is, and if I don't go to dialysis, I'm, I'm going to probably die in a couple of weeks. Right. They don't. They don't know what to say, which I understand because it's, it's it's a you know they've probably never had experience with that side of things. Right. But right. it's it's frustrating that yeah you have some you know some people who. I was close to kind of you know disappeared when things got hard. So right,
0: but,
1: right, right, right. But, you know, I to find that out now, then I think then you know.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, and, and it really, really sharpened my mental state to say, look, uh, the compassionate ones, the ones who were there to just say everything will be okay, even things like that made relationships for me really, really strong. Right, um, and that's probably all I really needed. But uh, what I came to realize is maybe my friends were scared, but it really jeopardized our relationship because I just felt like I'm doing this on my own. And and it was only good when everything is good. But when things really get bad, I really need that same comfort that I get when I'm actually struggling, when I'm actually struggling, struggling. Right. Um, So my question to you now, and and, and before we end this, what is the advice you can give to someone both who is diagnosed, going through the process, and what words of encouragement would you give that person fighting kidney disease, FSGS, IgA nephropathy? That's just to name a few, but just someone fighting for their life.
1: I would say it's not a death sentence. It's... Things to, to really look for. just you have to concentrate on the future, mm-hmm. and I think you've got to find positive. You know, you got to realise that that giving up, you're going to miss out on plenty of positive things. You're going to miss out on you know seeing family, family events, and your, your children or, or your or your parents. You know, events for them. Uh, I think it's just to really, it's, it's not it's not a death sentence, and I think so. It's so easy when you first get diagnosed to have a really negative view, like, like you said, and, and just think that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to die, you know? Right. But I think the as to say, look, it's, it's it's somewhat treatable obviously with, with the transplant and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's a chance for another lease on life. And it's, it's a second chance, which a lot of people don't get. And I think, you know, you got to think of all the people that, you know, who, who die of heart disease or, or, or brain, brain aneurysm or, or something that's sudden don't get the second chance. So, the way I look at it is I was very fortunate that it was something that was diagnosed and is something that, you know, is is treatable in respect to the dialysis in the short term and, and transplant in the long term. It'll give me, give me that opportunity to have a second chance. And I think so many people and so many other illnesses, you don't get that. So although it's it's not a great disease to have, I, I think it's, it's in the respect that, you know, a lot of people get a second chance and I think that's something you got to be grateful for and, and, and kind of just concentrate on, on that and looking forward to the future and what positives you'll see that otherwise you wouldn't have seen. Amazing. So for me, always something that, you know, whenever I hear someone talking about that, you know, I'm on different forums and you see people say that they've had enough and they're going to stop dialysis and anything I really say to them is just, you know, just think of all the, you know, if, if you give up, you're never going to have anything more positive. But I said, if you keep going, you're going to have more positive things in your life. Right, right, right. You, you got to experience positive things. One hundred percent, you are. Whether you have children or whatever it is, you got to have something positive happen in your life. Right. And you give up, you're never going to have that opportunity. Right. So I think the opportunity, you've got to keep fighting. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a death sentence in itself, mm-hmm. and just really just to you know to, to look the light at the end of the tunnel, whether it's a transplant or whatever it is, uh, and and just really just concentrate on that and 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 just yeah just just look at the end goal amazing
0: so we're going to we're going to actually end this now that was an amazing amazing journey and input you have really really provided for people who are going to be listening right um and i hope it really really reaches out to those who need the inspiration um I, I i follow you on instagram i watch what you do i see your before and afters with with clients and and if any of you guys are on social media i want you to follow mr lamont and and what is, where can people follow you
1: so i'm on uh, instagram at andy.lamont those a-n-d-y dot l-a-m-o-n-t uh so that's the place for most of my stuff up yeah give me a follow i'd love to have you on there and um I encourage everyone to, you know, join. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of support groups on, on face, on Facebook and, and other, um, avenues. I encourage people who are feeling alone, get on those, you know, talk to people, right. Just talk to other people who are going through the same thing because you're not alone and right. and, and you'll find people who have the same experience and, and you can talk about coping mechanisms and, and things like that. It really helps like, getting on those, some of those forums and just talking to people and, Right and, and finding you know the ways that other people have coped with it and gives you some ideas of how you can cope with it as well. Right, exactly. Because there's so many people.
0: Again, thank you so much, Lamont.
1: Recording
0: stopped. Thank you for tuning in. You never know what someone is fighting internally challenges without struggle is life without progress there's two pains the first one is suffering the second is effort signing off mark coronel the kidney fighter podcast until the next episode see you guys soon